Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on, help us out. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, it's old school goal. It's just little old me or big old me. We'll go big or go home on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. to Geek Out Loud, everyone. My name is Steve Glosson, and I am glad to be with you. I, because I am with you. Wherever you're at, I am there. Does that make me a creepy stalker? Maybe. But I like to think of me as your little buddy you have just talking right into your ears right now. Are you driving down the road? Watch your left. This has been a service from Geek Out Loud. Are you sitting, you know, just uh, waiting on someone? Are you in a waiting room somewhere? They just called your name. This has been a service from Geek Out Loud. Are you riding the school bus? You better be studying for that test. This has been a service of Geek Out Loud. Hey guys, I am so excited. I don't like it when... I'm sorry. I don't like it. I, I listen to some podcasts. Some podcasts? I listen to various podcasts where... The host, when either they're going into an ad or they're just speaking, they'll say, guys, let's see. Mm-mm, I don't like that. And I apologize for falling right into that trap. Gang, let me tell you something. I'm so glad to be here. It's just been a long time since I've sat down with no agenda other than my agenda to do Geek Out Loud. We have had a slew of things go on and, and things happen and stuff has taken place and Man, the Goliverse is running wild, like Hulkamania in the 80s. The Goliverse is nuts. We've got all kinds of shows up for uh, up there for you. If, if Listen, if geek stuff, you know, the stuff that I talk about isn't quite your thing, check out Round 3. Round 3 is a fun show done by myself, Derek Russell, and Sheena, and we have a large time, as a dear friend once used to say, that... Um, <clears throat> We just talk about <clears throat> various and sundry topics. Sometimes we have trivia competitions, and uh, we try to be funny. We try to be funny. 
Uh, if you don't like that, check out Disney Vault Talk. That's where Teresa Delgado and I are walking through the animated films of the Disney canon. Now, the Disney canon is actually a mouse-shaped cannon that shoots a mouse-shaped cannonball. Um, but we walk through those animated films, and we've been talking to them. We're up to Fantasia 2000. Fantasia 2000, at the recording of this Geek Out Loud, will be the next Disney Vault Talk that's released. Not into Disney, but you like the Star Wars, check out Disney Vault Talk's Rebel Yell, where we have been uh, chronicling and reacting to Star Wars Rebels, the animated show on Disney XD. Not into that? Check out our wrestling show, Mark Out Loud, with me and Dave. Why am I going through all the Gulliver shows, you say? Why am I bringing this up? Mark Out Loud is great, man, and we just had an awesome WrestleMania weekend that we're going to be recapping soon, so check out Mark Out Loud if you're so inclined. Here on the Geek Out Loud, man, we have the Pass the Corn with Eric Schoenweiss. We've got our monthly Goliverse Reads book club with Rod and Nicole, and we're just having a, a just a great time. But a lot of people have criticized me. Yes, me. They have guys. They oh, I did it again. Stupid Steve. Get be better. Be better at what you do. Just be better. Friends, a lot of people have criticized me uh, for, A, either talking too much about Star Wars, which is my first geek love, I make no apologies for that, or B, being unfair to the DC movie universe. I make no apologies for that. But, if you feel like I'm not giving it a fair shake, you need to check out DC on DC on the Geek Out Loud Network. It's Dave and Chad. They talk all things DC television and movies. They do a great job, and um, they've got, I'm sure they've got their Batman v Superman talk coming very soon, so check that out. And we are pleased to announce, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll please, we have a new podcast coming to the Goliverse. My friend Eris Chernovice, who you know from all the Past the Corn episodes of Geek Out Loud, and his friend, uh, Joe... <clears throat> Let's just call him Joe. I can't think of Joe's last name. Uh, Joe Scalara are uh, bringing to the Goliverse the Mile High Tundra. Mile High Tundra. And Mile High Tundra is a show about football from a Broncos fan and a Packers fan. They are very biased and uh, have a very biased look at the rest of the NFL. But it's going to be a fun time with those guys. So check that out. It's coming to the feed very soon. We're actually going to release the first episode on the Geek Out Loud feed so that all you guys can hear it and see what you think, and then it'll have its own feed from there on, and, and eventually you'll be able to subscribe via iTunes and all that good stuff. So Mile High Tundra coming really soon. Just happy, happy, happy to be expanding the Goliverse. And, man, Arish has been so great in his support of the Geek Out Loud podcasting network of the Goliverse and all these guys, Dave and Teresa... And dare I forget, ladies and gentlemen, the rockin'est podcast in the Goliverse, Rock Out Loud, with Kristen from Jersey, where we have had a blast doing uh, album listening parties. We just talk about music that we love. Kristen will pick out a theme and cause me to wreck my brain. Sometimes I'll say, let's just hang out and play some music, and she'll get all freaked out because there's no structure. And it's just a blast. We have a good time with that. And the spinoff show with myself and Jimmy Mack, that Kristen hates, called Rock Out Lead, where Jimmy Mack and I are, are talking about the music of Led Zeppelin. So there's just a ton 
of stuff on the Goaliverse. If you know people that are into any of those things, let them know because we've got a, I think we've got a great podcast network. I think we've got a very eclectic, um, uh, I, I think that even though I'm on a lot of those shows, I think the personality of the shows are all very different. And they're all fun in their own way. And, and, and man, I love doing every single one of them. So check it out, man. Let your friends know. Support the podcast network any way you can. And if you want to really support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Um, our featured supporter this week is Jason Hackett. Jason possesses a Jedi-like ability with blades of all types. He never trained to receive this ability. It was given to him when he was cut with a radioactive samurai sword. Jason Hackett is our featured supporter this week at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. You can be a supporter by heading that way. And we're restructuring all the different goals and that sort of thing. We're working towards a YouTube channel. We're working toward, hopefully, a daily morning show that will incorporate the Big Honkin' Show stuff, the Geek Out Loud stuff, all that stuff, where we would literally go from like 8 to uh, 11 or 12 in the morning. And... Um, on a regular basis, but it, it's all, we're restructuring those goals so that we can support that type of podcasting, you know, at that level of, of content. Because what, what I'm finding out is even with, uh, you know, just the shows we have, that my time is being really absorbed in all of the, the recording and the editing and the posting and that sort of thing. So, um, to be able to, to put any more time into it is going to require resources to be able to let go of resources coming in from other places. So just something to keep in your back of your mind and uh, check out patreon.com slash geek out loud. Some changes coming to that really quickly before we get too deep into the show and, and jump into emails. I need to talk about something that I've not spoken about since it happened. And the reason I haven't spoken about it is because I didn't think there was any need to, because there was nothing scandalous or dramatic that took place. And that is the dissolution of um, Shot Glass Digital. We were super happy and super proud to be part of the Shot Glass Digital Podcasting Network for, gee whiz, two years. Uh, it was started by Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio, and really it was started in an effort to to support all the people that they knew to create synergy between the shows that, that their friends were doing and that they were doing so that we could all kind of have a place where if people wanted to find, you know, people who were connected to Rebel Force Radio, then they would be able to do so just by going to Shot Glass Digital. Or if people wanted to find more people who were kind of connected, a lot of similar interests, but also a lot of diversity at Shot Glass Digital. Um, my role with Shot Glass Digital was do things like I normally do, and then just make sure that episodes got posted there at Shot Glass Digital. Um, and that was it. But for Jimmy Mack, for Jason, there was a lot more involved as far as, you know, putting out fires if there were technical issues or, you know, fielding a lot of requests to be a part of Shot Glass Digital or whatever the case may be. They were super kind to us to allow just about every podcast in the Goaliverse to be a part of Shot Glass Digital. And when they decided that it was just too much on their plate because they're really taking Rebel Force Radio to the next level, they said, look, we got to let it go. We got we to gotta shut her down and focus primarily on doing the Rebel Force Radio thing. There, it, there was nothing unfriendly. There was nothing scandalous. There was nothing dramatic about it. 
Those guys continue to be among some of my dearest friends. Uh, Jimmy Max kids call me Uncle Steve. I am I am so proud to be their their friend, and I will be with them in June at the RFR meetup down in Orlando at Hollywood Studios in Disney. I will be with them at their live podcast. I will be with them at Waffle House. Uh, <laughs> I will be hopefully picking up and taking to the airport, um, hanging out by the pool and stuff. This is it's become kind of a yearly thing now. Where if that tradition ever goes away, that I will be bitter about that. But we're we're good friends, and to the to the extent there is that new podcast with Jimmy Mack, Rock Out Led. Um, podcast networks are hard to maintain, guys. They're hard to keep going, and and I've been blessed with great co-hosts like Dave, like Teresa, like Kristen, who all make sure they do a lot of the work before we ever sit down to record. Those guys, you know, keep me straight a lot of times with recording times and schedules and everything. Just I am beyond blessed to have those guys as friends and co-hosts. And so they make my workload a lot easier and and they help maintain the quality of what's going on. There have been so many times where the shows would not be quality if it were on my shoulders because there have been times where I've come to the table worn out and tired and um, or just with not much to say. And those guys fill in the gaps so, so very well. So... um you know, shot glass just went away, and it's okay. It's not like it didn't affect us too negatively at all. You know, it just is one of those things that happen. Things come and things go. So that's what happened. Uh, we emails had started to fly to Rebel Force Radio about me in particular, about you know why I wasn't around and what happened, that sort of thing. So I just wanted to say this out loud on the podcast because. I never addressed it because I didn't think there was anything to address. I, I just thought that, you know, it's no big deal. Nothing to talk about. Nothing to see here. Move along, move along. But really, in this instance, nothing to see here. It was no big deal. So uh, looking forward to continuing on in the Goaliverse. And guys, and that helps us then just really zone in on what we're doing here. And it's going to be a good time, and it's going to continue to be a good time. I mean, look, what we've done already in 2016, over $3,000 raised for Cure Childhood Cancer. Um, we have attempted to bring the Big Honkin' Show back yet again. We are doing amazing things with um, with Geek Out Loud, you know, as far as doing the book club and the interaction with people there, with... Uh, with Disney Vault Talk, it's just it, it's expanded our reach within the fan community. Uh, Mark Out Loud has just been a blast, and there are more and more people listening to that than I ever thought would. We've made some great connections with Rock Out Loud as far as just, I mean, you know, Kristen is a wealth of musical knowledge, and it's so much fun. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about having fun, and that's what we do. And hopefully you're having fun. Hopefully you've had fun with us, and we'll continue to do so. As we roll on. Now let's jump into some emails. All right. Our uh, first email, and we've got a bunch, guys. I, I, I recognize we've got a whole lot of emails to get through. And some of these from a long time ago. A long time. Uh, Isla has emailed and says, Hey, Steve, I really enjoyed listening to all the talk about The Force Awakens. 
Personally, I loved it, and my husband and I have seen it six times now. I see something different every time. The last time after reading Before the Awakening, it really stood out to me that Poe is the one who shot Finn's fellow trooper, the one who left the bloody handprint. I wonder if that fact will ever come up. Also, I'm dying to find out if the creatures being led in the background in the opening scene are indeed alpacas, because I raise alpacas. I notice this every time. And since we named our farm after Star Wars, I really want alpacas to be canon as Star Wars beasts. I agree with you about the weird bird. I think they could have done better there, but I don't have many complaints. I'm so happy to have new Star Wars on the horizon for many years to come. May the Force be with you. And that's from Isla Dazarn. Um, Isla, look, I, my sixth time seeing The Force Awakens, I was sitting there watching... Um, I was watching the movie, and this conscious thought comes into my mind, unbidden. I mean, it just it just popped in my head. And it was this. I like this movie. I love The Force Awakens for so many reasons, not the least of which is on my birthday, it was still in theaters. And so I was able to, for the first time ever on my birthday, sit in a movie theater and watch Star Wars. And it was just a really cool experience. And, you know, it made my birthday that much better because I'm experiencing Star Wars on my birthday. And that's a good time. Um, I, I the, the issues I had with The Force Awakens, I still have. I think that that the filmmakers need to be aware of the visual language of Star Wars. I think the filmmakers need to be aware that um, f- shooting it on film, unless that's just the way they're comfortable doing it, doesn't make it more like the original Star Wars. It just makes it a movie shot on film that that the thing that George Lucas always did was push the medium of filmmaking forward through Star Wars. That Star Wars was multifaceted in what it did. The Force Awakens, as good as it is, I don't know that it pushes the media of filmmaking, the medium of filmmaking very much. I think it just is a a movie made. And I and maybe that's the maybe that's the X factor. Maybe it's that we didn't see anything new or tried knew that it was all the old tricks and they did those old tricks so very well um and there were moments that gave me chills and and made me super happy and there were moments that made me sad for all the right reasons but um but when it comes right down to it i love star wars that's what it's all about jonathan says dear steve i was listening to episode 171 and you guys were talking about what the first movie you remember seeing is, I wanted to say the first movie I saw was in 1984 and I was four. I was at my babysitter's and it was The Empire Strikes Back. It was the only movie she had. That's what got me into movies, especially Star Wars. My wife had never seen a Star Wars movie movie prior to us going to see The Force Awakens. After we saw it, she wanted to see it from the beginning. So we watched A New Hope last night and she's loving the movie so far. And that's from Jonathan in Birmingham, Alabama. Jonathan, you didn't go back to the beginning if you watched A New Hope. The beginning is the Phantom Menace. That's the beginning of the story. Uh, I know, guys, don't jump on me. I know that in release order. I have a problem watching things in, in the release order, though, because the, the story is a linear story. That's how the creator wanted it told. So sometimes, and I've done the whole Pulp Fiction way of doing it. It's just, you know, I'm cool with going one through six, and the people that I've introduced it to, one through six is the way we've gone, and they've loved it. You know, I, I think that we older fans of Star Wars tend to really skew more critical of those prequels, without realizing what the new eyes that that 
that fall upon it say. Andy, let me Google that for you. Lindemann says four things. Hold on. Um, he says, number one, this is not intended to be read on air. Sorry, I don't know why I started then to read. Two is I was listening to Pass the Corn while shopping at Wally World, listening to Fanboy Dreams of Cable and Deadpool 2, and out of the blue I hear the jingle. Let me Google that for you. I was all smiles the rest of the shopping experience. Was the Intergames Book Club show posted and I missed it, or was it unpostable? It was posted after you sent me this email, sir, because I realized I had not posted it. So, uh, that's... Um, that's Andy, let me Google that for you. Lindemann saving all of our butts as it pertains to the Goldiverse book club. Joseph says, hey, Steve, you guys were talking Stiller and Zoolander on the pa- on the past the corn. And one movie of, you, of his you didn't mention was Mystery Men. Curious if you liked it. I'm a Stiller fan, and that is one of my favorites. That's from Joe. Uh, Joe, I... I've seen Mystery Men like once, and I remember it kind of being a thing of like, okay, that's pretty cool, I guess. Um, it didn't get me fired up. I've never been a huge, huge um, Ben Stiller fan. I like him when he does like weird characters and and stuff, but I just or when he really when he's just kind of a, a supporting player, I like him. But when he's trying to be that straight man but still funny, I, it's never it's never really appealed to me. And it's not he's super talented. He's more successful than I'll ever be, and uh, he's got a good eye for comedy. He's been a great producer and writer and everything. So, um, but Mystery Men is a classic, man. There are a lot. There's a lot of love for Mystery Men out there, and it's a movie I should probably revisit at some point. Uh, John says, uh, "Missed opportunity in The Force Awakens." Hi, Steve. First time writer, long time listener. Not sure if anyone has come up with this, but I feel there was a huge missed opportunity in the last conversation between Han and Leia. He's talking about in The Force Awakens. I really think Han should have told her, I love you, and Leia say, I know. I just think it would have been so great. And that's from John. John, I don't disagree with you, but I also don't know that I agree with you. That that bit was done um, in Return of the Jedi, you know, when, when uh, Leia's shot and she and, and the stormtroopers show up, and they're like, hold it right there. And um, she shows him that she's got a blaster, and, and he says, I love you. And she says, I know. Uh, I also think that would have been too much of a direct callback. I think that you have to be careful in peppering those things in. We got the, I got a bad feeling about this, and I think that's the extent you need to go sometimes to the callbacks. We'd already talked about the Kessel Run. We had seen the little Jedi training ball that Finn pulls out. Um, So, you know, there there were all these other things that were in there, and so I don't know. I mean, good Lord, Luke's original lightsaber, Anakin's lightsaber, was in the mix. So I don't know that, that we needed something that was that much of, hey, look what we know. I, I just, I think it I think it was fine the way it was. Nicholas says, my name is Nick. I'm 22 and from New Zealand. This is my first time emailing. So I just want to say how much I love Geek Out Loud and the many other podcasts you do. Really appreciate your positive, intelligent, and humorous look outlook on Geekdom. Well, thank you. I will accept positive. I try to be intelligent and humorous is hit and miss. Uh, and the quality of your shows, also hit and miss. I'm also a huge Star Wars fan. I grew up on the prequels and thought they were just the greatest things ever. You hear that, prequel haters? He grew up on the prequels and he thought they were just the greatest things ever. I know a lot of people prefer the original, but for me, the prequels, especially Revenge of the Sith, are the ones I really gravitate towards. As a kid, 
Me, my brother, and mates all had our own Jedi Council and spent hours down the gully next to our property, playing with lightsabers and trying to copy all the moves in the films. Anyway, like many having recently seen The Force Awakens, which I thought was fantastic, my thirst for new Star Wars has gone up drastically. I'd really like to get into Star Wars comics. I haven't really read any comics of any kind before, so I was wondering if you could point me in the right direction of what to start with. Thanks for taking the time to read this email and for all the hard work you do on your shows. May the Force be with you always. And that's from Nicholas down in New Zealand. Nicholas, I will say this. Um, there is a Star Wars title that Marvel's doing. It's been met with a lot of positivity. I'm, I've only read a few issues. I dug it. I really liked it. I think there was a little bit too much fanboy service in it here and there, but it's definitely worth checking out, as well as all the side stories. The Kanan uh, storyline has been great, the, that limited series that they've been doing. Um, there's a new Poe Dameron-centered comic that's just recently come out. Basically, anything newer that you can get your hands on is good. If you want to dip into some of the Legends stuff, Legacy was good. It takes place many years after uh, even The Force Awakens. Uh, I, I would might suggest you check that out. A lot of people like the Knights of the Old Republic stuff that Dark Horse did. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, the original Marvel Star Wars comics are just a fun look at what Star Wars used to be. Um, so you, you might want to, you might want to check those things out. Uh, let's see. Let's get away from, let's see if we can get away from Star Wars talk really quickly. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Eric says, just want to drop you a line and say thanks for all the podcast. Heard you on Rebels Declassified and then want to check out uh, Rock Out Lead and really enjoyed it. Since I've been listening to Rock Out Loud so far, listening to the Journey episode and the High School episode, oh, this is more of a Rock Out Loud episode. Um, but we'll go ahead and read it. Really enjoy both and look forward to listening to more. Speaking of the High School episode, I'll throw my vote in for a Christian Rock episode. If you're looking for a co-host for that one, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Um, I'm backed up on podcast listening, but I'm looking forward to getting to other podcasts to feed my geek in the Goaliverse. The other reason I want to email you I have a new book out that I didn't know if you'd be interested or not, but I thought I'd give it a try. It's called Counting Down Southern Rockets, 100 Best Songs. Oh, I'm going to have to talk to Kristen about that one, Eric. But thank you so much, dude, for listening to the Rock Out Loud. Okay, here we go. Joshua Harris. Um, I think I forwarded this to Dave and Chad, so it's addressed them. I'm going to let them read it. Will West says, hello there, Steve. I'll keep this email spoiler free, but by, but hopefully you've seen Dawn of Justice by now because I can't wait to hear your take. I've seen it twice, and much like my experience with The Force Awakens, it was so much better the second time. I've come to the conclusion that I really love this movie, and I've come up with explanations slash reasons for all the things that were off-putting to me at first. I'm a massive Batman fan, and Affleck's performance was my favorite iteration of both Bruce Wayne and Batman. I would continue to gush, but I have to question the song This Is My World from the soundtrack is the track that's playing during the very critical part toward the end of the movie. You'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen it. Um, he says, from 146 to 156, it sounds so incredibly familiar, but I can't place it. He's talking about a track in the, in the, uh, in the soundtrack, which I don't have. He says, I swear this is a Justice League theme from somewhere, but I don't remember where. I was wondering if you could put my wondering to rest. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about the movie. Stay geeky, my friend, Will West. The only time Shaky Cam got to me, he says, in a PS, was the opening where Bruce is running toward the building. I didn't notice it. 
otherwise. Well, Will, let me break that glass for you. Uh, there are scenes where they're standing still and the camera's moving all over the place. There's no earthquake. There's no action. It's just that same dude who is apparently having a hard time holding the camera steady. This is my problem with shaky cam. Not that it kind of gets a little frenetic during fight scenes or running scenes. My problem with the way it's filmed uh, in, in, the, in these types of movies are when everything is uh, standing still and the camera refuses to. That's uh, that's that that's my that's my problem with it. Um, I go back to and it also it's Zack Snyder's fault because he said in the opening thing on the on the special night before the Man of Steel the 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 preview screen that Walmart did where you get your tickets at Walmart he said in the little opening thing really pay attention to the background uh, in the council chamber on Krypton because there's a lot of fun Easter eggs there. Well, I was trying to, but the camera wouldn't hold steady, so I couldn't see a darn thing. Um, but uh, Will, I will—I don't know. I'll, I have to—I don't have the soundtrack, so I'd have to listen to it. It's called "This Is My World," and uh, I don't know that I have a musical ear enough to even listen to that and and hear at that point what 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 it may sound like. I will say this, I've been watching a lot of the Bruce Tim um Justice League. So if it is from the Justice League, I may be able to uh to hook you up there and help and help you out 146 to 156. Well, let's I I've pulled it up, guys. I found it. Pulled it up and uh let's see if we can get there. It does sound very familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I tell you what it really sounds like to me more than anything is kind of uh, kind of this. Coming up, here we go. Right there, you hear it? Just those three, th those those six notes, da da da, da da da, and then it goes in, da, 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 which you can make up lyrics to it if you want to. <laughs> Try. Let's do that right now. Let's make up lyrics. Superman, Superman, this is a cartoon of Superman. So, that's that may be. Um, <laughs> that may be what it reminds you of. I, you know what? I really think that as I was watching it, I heard the same thing, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds like kind of like." I, I, I wondered if it were an intentional throwback to, um, to that piece of music, which that's a great opening theme song to Superman the Animated Series. Guys, I'll be honest with you: if you want to see how Superman should be done, Superman the Animated Series gets it just about right if not completely. It is a great... Go back and revisit the Bruce Timbers. Revisit Batman the Animated Series if you had in a while. Revisit Superman the Animated Series. Revisit the Justice League. I've been watching it. I'm almost through with the second season, and it's just so good. And they nail these characters so much. And then when you hit Justice League Unlimited, it's just like, who do we want to throw in here? 
What kind of stories do we want to do? It's just some good stuff. Jason Hunt from the Wampa's Lair, usually talking Star Wars, talking Batman v Superman, says, saw Batman v Superman and have to say I was pleasantly surprised. It's not a perfect movie, but it was definitely better than I feared it would be. While there was a lot of groundwork laid for Batman, I was pleased the story didn't overshadow Superman's. Mm, I guess not. We'll take a sip of water. The introduction of Wonder Woman was great and has me excited for her movie. The tone of this movie was darker than I would have liked, but it looks like this could have been that darkness before the dawn sort of story. I think the opening sequence going over Bruce Wayne's backstory was a few minutes too long, and while I appreciate the camera didn't shake as much as in Man of Steel, the movie was too dark and smoky to see some of the action at times. The weakest point to me was Lex Luthor. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. He came off as kind of a Joker-Riddler hybrid at times, and occasionally seemed more petulant than menacing. Overall, the action was great, the music was fun, and I had a good time. This seemed like a great building point for DC's cinematic universe, and has actually gotten me much more interested in what they've got moving forward. Not a grand slam, but a home run nonetheless. Sorry, this email wasn't as long as the movie. That's from Jason. Jason, the only thing that's as long as this movie was this year's WrestleMania. Um... Mm. And for those of you who aren't wrestling fans, it went five hours, did WrestleMania. Uh, I, I'm i going to talk about Lex Luthor in a minute. Um, I don't know that I feel like it was a home run. Here's what I'm glad. I'm, I am really glad that most people aren't having my reaction to Batman v Superman. And I really hope that the ending of Batman v Superman drove home with a lot of people and caused a lot of people to want to see Superman in a big, bad way. That's what I really hope this movie accomplished, is is that it instilled a greater respect for Superman from a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen those kind of reactions, but I really hope that's kind of what took place. I love Superman. I love that character, and I don't feel like he's been treated the best in the last two movies that we've seen him in. But we'll talk a little bit more about that momentarily. Um, Toby Grimes. Well, we'll save this one, Toby. We're, it's not too late to talk about Star Wars, but we'll get there. Um, Andy Lindemann <laughs> has written a book, and it just came in, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> just came in today. Hey, Steve, he says... First off, there are spoilers to Batman v Superman in this email, so if you haven't had the chance to see it yet, mark the email as unread and save it for after the movie. Also, before the BBS talk, I do want to apologize to you and Nicole and Rod for not participating in the last Goalerverse Reads. In fact, I'm going to have to step out until after May. This is the time of the school year where life becomes insane due to state testing and semester exams and everything else that I'm expected to do as a teacher. Back to Batman v Superman, I really liked it. Granted, I'm a DC guy more than a Marvel guy, so my opinion will always be biased in favor of the DC characters. It wasn't the best movie ever. I had issues with bits here and there, but overall, it was a fun movie to watch and to look forward to watching it again on Blu-ray. It was worth the ticket price just to see Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman side-by-side on the big screen. Take my money. Uh, Here are the things I had issues with. uh, And he'll... He says, I'm going to... First, the things I had issues with, then we'll wrap up with things I like, so we end on a positive note. I like how you think, Andy. Andy, Andy, let me Google that for you, Lindemann. The issue of Lex Luthor is 
probably going to be everyone's number one problem. However, as a friend at work pointed out, he wasn't Lex. Lex was his dad, and he was Alexander. Talk about that as we get into it. Uh, Number two, too much story in this movie. It seemed like if you cut out all the Batman scenes, you had the basis for a good Man of Steel 2 story. Or cut out all the Superman scenes, you had a basis for a good Batman reboot. Anyway, there was too much going on. This film should have waited until after Man of Steel 2, a Batman reboot, or even after the Wonder Woman movie. Number three, Lois Lane in the bathtub. With no bubbles and precariously placed camera angles, glad I didn't take my kids to the movies. I'm just going to say I'm glad you didn't take your kids to the movie either. I understand your problem with that scene. However, there is a male, single male, single adult male on the podcast. And I have to say, thank you, Amy Adams. Uh, Some of the edits near the end of the movie were abrupt. And more than once, I was wondering, wait, what's going on? What just happened? I think a lot of the edit, a lot of the edits, a lot of the edits throughout the movie were abrupt. We'll talk more about that. The scene where the Flash visits Bruce in a dream... There was so much other audio, I couldn't understand what he was saying until Lois is the key. I didn't even understand that. Uh, Batman origin change, if I understood it correctly, Bruce Wayne's dad survived the mugging but died in the Wayne Enterprise. No, that's not how that happened. Uh, The Justice League cameo is too short, but then again, I kind of knew they would be short. Let me go back to this Batman change origin. That wasn't his dad in the Wayne Enterprise building. That was Jack, his friend. Um, His dad did die in the shooting. His dad was killed first. And his last words were his wife's name, Martha. And you can see that as they're putting two coffins there at the funeral at the beginning. Um, Justice League cameos, too short. But then again, I kind of knew they'd be short. I guess I was just disappointed with the Aquaman cameo. When the new 52 started, Aquaman was a must-read. That's true. Um, I was really hoping for an awesome appearance in this movie, and his cameo was lame. I felt like all those came, we'll talk about it, shoehorned in. That's shoehorned in. No Green Lantern. How can we have a Justice League without Green Lantern? Yeah, people hate on his movie, but I don't think it was that bad. Wasn't good, but not terrible. Okay, enough of that crap on the fun. Wonder Woman. She stole every scene she was in. The actress was fantastic, uh, and her CGI stunt double was awesome. Okay, that was kind of snarky, but I really and truly like what they did with her and can't wait for a solo movie. Batfleck, I liked him. He was a good Bruce Wayne and Batman. In a few scenes, the cow made him look like he had a chubby little bat cheeks, but other than that, he was great. Very impressed with the effort Affleck put in physically to get ready for the role. The Batmobile was awesome. Batplane, Batwing, Batflying Machine was also awesome. Superman as Henry Cavill was great again, and I like that Snyder took fan issues to heart with the Man of Steel. Did you notice that Superman took the fight with Doomsday away from public areas like into space? Led Zeppelin, when Wonder Woman shows up and there's a guitar riff going, and although it took a while to place it, it sounds just like Robert Plant's wailing on the immigrant song. Intentional? Wonder Woman's not an American, right? I think you mean Jimmy Page. You mean like the, ah, that wailing? I'm not going to question your musical. I think you mean his wailing, not necessarily. It did. I think, mm, we'll talk about it. The Batman v Superman fight was pretty awesome, and Batman scene rescuing Martha Clark was fantastic looked like something straight out of the arkham video games plus i'd never really noticed that both moms were named martha don't go to the dark side in communist russia dark side comes to you did you see the little bug creatures flying off of the people in one of batman's dream looked like dark side's minions to me parademon sir was surprised to get so much of cyborg's origin story that was awesome 
Did you hear? Did you see near the final scene the trench coat figure walking down the dirt road through the cornfields toward Clark's gravesite? It was right before hovering dirt. I suspect it's Bruce Wayne, sort of like in the Dark Knight comic when Superman lingers at Batman's grave and hears Batman's heartbeat start again. Well, yeah, he was there talking to Wonder Woman. They were there. Uh, Doomsday. At first I was like, that's not Doomsday. That's a cave troll. All we needed are some hobbits to take that sucker down. Then he grew horns and he was really cool. Looking more like Doomsday I've come to expect. This movie left me wanting me more, which is a good thing. Can't wait for the DC superhero team-ups to begin on the big screen. This is a long email. No apologies. Just pointing out the obvious. <laughs> Have a fantastic week. I'm now really behind in work due to this long email. And that's Andy. Let me Google that for you. Lindemann. Guys, I got to be honest with you. You guys have been a lot more fair and a lot uh, great, uh, you know, a lot, lot, lot more positive reactions to Batman v Superman than I had. And I think that's awesome. I'm, I am, I really, truly am glad people liked it. And I'm, because I, more superheroes, more of more superheroes, less of everything else. That's really what I feel about these superhero movies more than anything else. I'll have to repeat that later, but I just thought it might be worth saying now so that when the hate does come, I can say, hey, I'm glad people like it. Well, one of the things I'm really upset about uh, as far as not getting to do some of this during the month of March was the This Is Madness tournament that takes place over at Star Wars Dot com every year. I followed it, I voted in it, and I meant to talk about it again and again and again. The champion this year, dethroning last year's champion Darth Vader, is none other than the farm boy turned Jedi Master himself, Luke Skywalker. Luke made his way from the bracket where he beat out Harrison Dula, and he actually beat out Han Solo in a boat, which is amazing to me that that took place. And uh, then it came down to he and Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, who he beat. And then it ended up being Luke versus Rey in an amazing situation. Uh, Yoda, uh, in other other news, R2-D2 had beat out Sabine, uh, who he was then beaten by Obi-Wan Kenobi, who lost to Luke. Han Solo beat out Chewbacca, who then lost to Luke. Uh, Yoda beat out Finn, and he... Uh, then continued on over Ahsoka, who beat BB-8. Uh, but he lost to Ray in a surprise victory. Lost to Ray, who started out by beating Ezra Bridger, and then she took on Leia Organa, who she beat. Leia beat Poe Dameron in this. And it came down on the light side to Luke and Ray. On the dark side, Darth Vader swept his bracket. Uh, he beat the fifth brother, of course, he beat Jabba the Hutt, of course. He beat Darth Maul, of course. And then in a great uh, sequel versus OT matchup, he beat out Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren, who beat Jango Fett, Count Dooku, and even Boba Fett to get to that uh, final dark side round against Darth Vader. And then Darth Vader was outvoted uh, by the fans of Luke Skywalker. I love talking about this competition. I hate that I didn't get to really comment on all the different voting that went on it was uh it's it's one of my favorite things that starwars.com does every year and um and and because of the busy schedule through march and family stuff going on just didn't have a chance to really break it down like we did like we have done in years past but next year god willing and the creek don't rise as we say 
We'll be here to follow the This Is Madness tournament. And i got to be honest with you, I'm rooting for Luke Skywalker to maintain his place on the top of the heap in the This Is Madness tournament next year on StarWars.com. And guys, let me tell you something. It's madness. Here's this. For, how's this for a segue? It's madness. If you don't have a Goliverse t-shirt, man, check out geekoutonline.com slash shirts. We've got t-shirts from just about every single uh, show in the Goliverse. So head over that way, geekoutonline.com slash shirts to our Public store. Support the Goliverse that way and wear it out, man. Wear that mess out around about and let people know uh, that you're a wrestling fan, a geek uh, a Disney fan, whatever the case may be, grab your shirt and wear it with pride at geekoutonline.com slash shirts. Well, we're going to do Geek Out Loud snippet style, ladies and gentlemen. All right, it's snippets, guys. We're gonna we're gonna roll through some stuff, uh, snippets style. First off, I want to talk about the final trailer that was released for Captain America: Civil War, because there, there's really been um, it's been an interesting reaction from from folks. If you ask me, uh, we will. Um, well, how do I want to start at this? How do I want to... Let's just play it a little bit here. This job. We try to save as many people as we can. Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody. But you don't give up. New York. Washington, D.C. Sokovia. Okay, that's enough. Captain, people are afraid. That's why I'm here. We need to be put in check. Whatever form that takes, I'm game. I'm sorry, Tony. If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. I know we're not perfect. But the safest hands are still our own.
I've run out of patience. On to Ruth! Hey, everyone. <laughs> Guys, look. Oh, I did it again! Ah! Oh! You're an idiot, Glosson. You're an idiot. You need to be better. You'd be better at what you're doing. Quit being a slacker. Quit just saying stupid words to people. Don't know why anyone listens to you. Fellow geeks, here's what's really cool to me about this trailer and about the reactions I've seen in this trailer is that for so long, when, when people found out that Spider-Man was coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there was head-scratching, there was complaining, they're like, oh, again, Spider-Man, oh, haven't we had enough Spider-Man? Spider-Man's ridiculous. And then when he, <laughs> when he swings on to screen and just with a... Hey, everyone. It's like... Oh, everyone went nuts. Everyone was just like, I'm, we're pro Spider-Man now. Um his suit is a little bit different. He's got some blue where he normally doesn't have blue on his suit, but he doesn't have those raised, uh, overly silk screen lines that were present on Tobey Maguire's suit and Andrew Garfield's suit. Uh, the eyes actually do a thing where, like the old art, his eyes used to kind of open and close. The whites would narrow and widen uh, to, to show reaction. But you hear kind of a, a camera shutter kind of noise where you know lens thingy i don't know what you call that aperture is aperture a good word no i don't think it is but anyhow and it just there's some technology to his suit uh the webs look great he looks great and everyone just got really excited all of a sudden and i think what it is is it's on one hand we were all like yeah, spider-man we've seen him before we've seen him before but i think there's something really special about seeing him show up with these other characters. Spider-Man is the Superman. Spider-Man's the Batman these days of the Marvel Universe. Spider-Man has always been their flagship character. He has been used as their logo. He's been used um, in, in so many ways. He's been used to boost sales here and there. He's been a number one bookseller. He's been... You know, he's the guy that had just as many titles as the X-Men at one point, that kind of thing. Spider-Man has, has always been good for Marvel Comics. It wasn't until Iron Man came out that Iron Man became a household name, and that's because of the movie. Uh, Iron Man was literally, in my opinion, in, in a lot of people's estimation, he was some people's favorites, but I don't think it could be argued that he was maybe just a second-tier character or, or the lowest rung of the first-tier characters. But it was the performance of Robert Downey Jr., the directing of John Favreau, that made him just a household iconic name amongst the Marvel pantheon. So when we when we now look at Spider-Man coming into this, it's like things have gotten ramped up a huge, huge notch, and and it's just been funny to see people's. Um, <clears throat> it's been it's been funny to see people's reaction to that just completely turn everything around this this trailer has a lot going on in it chadwick boseman who plays the black panther he's at the site of the explosion that sets everything off i think what explodes there is some type of un building or something 
and and that's why he would be there as the king of Wakanda. So uh, this is why he's involved, uh, apparently, and everything else. Those soldiers at the beginning are opening whatever door they're opening there. It's it's weird. They're kind of they're not moving as they're facing that wall, and it's it's got a weird eerie vibe to it. Uh, in in the middle of that trailer, there's this thing that comes rising up out of the ocean, that black circular building thing, and 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 I'm assuming that when they're inside, is that round room with the various what what appears to be jail cells uh, around that room. I think that's what they call the raft in the Marvel universe, a place uh, a prison for super powered criminals. Uh, Scarlet Witch is hurting the Vision at one point. Uh, this is interesting because they may be setting up a relationship between those two in the comics back in the eighties, they were married, which I know is weird because the vision is an Android, but look it to each his own or her own or its own. Uh, but their relationship is kind of legendary, uh, in the Marvel universe. And so it's just really interesting that she's kind of appears to be hurting him. Uh, Panther takes a bullet in the shoulder when he's getting shot at. It may be that his suit is kind of lined with vibranium. I didn't think that's the case, but it's at least maybe Kevlar or something. And that's pretty BA that like it, it pings off his shoulder. You can see the, the, the bullet go off his shoulder. I, I think my favorite part of this movie though, is, is the final shot of cap and uh, Iron Man fighting before it cuts to black. And then the Spider-Man thing is, um, Tony tells him basically to give up and Cap says, I could do this all day. It's a throwback to his line as a, as a, as a little weak guy who wanted to go in the army and couldn't get in outside of that movie theater when those guys were beating him up and they're like, you just don't know when to stop. And he says, I could do this all day. I love this about Captain America, that Captain America has not changed. You know, even, even with all that he's seen and done, being frozen and woken up in a time that is not his own. He has witnessed an alien invasion. He has seen a, a sentient and a sentient robot um, almost destroy the entire world with a city. He's, he's lived through some stuff, man. And he's still at his core, that, that young man who just didn't like a bully and who wanted to do the right thing. I love that about Captain America. I am really looking forward to this movie, even though I got to go back to, I don't like the civil war story concept all that much. I think that this started a, a really, a really bad trend for Marvel comics. It was hard to redeem the characters that you ended up not liking in civil war. And I don't know they ever got there. In fact, that led to all of the conflict leading up to Secret Wars last year, and, and it just led to a whole slew of just unlikable heroes. And I really want to see in the comics Marvel return to likable superheroes. We've we've gone so far, writers have gone so far in their writing of these heroes to make them relatable that they've almost made them villains, and they've done the same thing with the villains to make them sympathetic, that they've almost made them the heroes. I don't like that. That makes me that makes me mourn the fact that that there's no clear look, you can argue the philosophy of good and evil all day long. And you can argue the quality of a clear-cut villain and clear-cut hero all day long, but at the end of the day, you need your good guys to be good guys and your bad guys to be bad guys. That's just how it is. You've got to be rooting against the villain. 
and he can be compelling as a villain and he can be a villain that you hate to see go down because man, you just want to see more action with him, but you've got to be, you know, invested in the defeat of evil or the defeat of the bad guy's plan more than, Oh, I really like him. And he's so super cool. I, I just feel that way. It, it's, it's the, it's, it's just the old school superhero fan in me. I'm not saying it's the right way. Maybe I am saying it. I guess I did say it's the right way, didn't I? I look, in a world where it's so gray, I just think it's refreshing to have some black and white on the screen sometimes, to have your your clear-cut heroes and villains. They, they seem to be holding back. I feel like there's going to be a greater threat behind the scenes in Captain America Civil War. And, and they seem to be holding that back by showing us all the stuff between Tony and Cap. I hope the whole movie is not just our heroes fighting. I do hope there is a doomsday moment where the fighting has to go out of the window for the betterment of everything else. Um, but this movie is probably going to leave us very with a very ambiguous glimpse of the future, you know, not knowing what's coming next. And then we go way off the beaten path in November with Doctor Strange. And though I've never been the biggest Doctor Strange fan, I like what I'm seeing, man, of the imagery and everything. It's this kind of thing. I've never been a big Vision fan. You know, it's not like I'm always like, oh, the Vision's so cool. He's awesome. I'm very aware of the Vision. I was very knowledgeable about who he was. But there's just something about seeing these characters come to life in a very recognizable way on screen that just gets me excited. Even though I don't think I have one Doctor Strange comic book in my entire collection. I have books where Doctor Strange is the guest. I have books where Doctor Strange is a part of the storyline. I have Defenders titles where Doctor Strange is a part of the team. I don't know that I have a single issue of a Doctor Strange titled comic, though. And so for me, knowing that and then seeing Benedict Cumberbatch look like Doctor Strange, I still get really excited because it's like, it's just so cool that after going so long in a time where, well, we've got to change so much to make these characters palatable to general audiences, that Marvel has finally, you know, Marvel Studios is like, no, not really. <laughs> we don't really have to change that much, guys. Uh, just whatever we can do technologically, let's do it, you know? And and I think that's really cool. Snippet. Um. Before we well, Daredevil season two, I don't want to spoil anything. I know that it's a it's a much more of a, a commitment of time to to watch thirteen episodes of a TV show on Netflix than it is to go to the movie theater and, and see Batman v Superman. So I don't want to spoil anything with Daredevil season two, except to say that I thought it was really really good. I I'm not a fan all the time of the dark and gritty stuff. But what they do so well in Daredevil is they balance out the dark and grit with real humanity. Sometimes when we start talking about going dark and gritty, we get so dark and we get so uh, so into, into that area that we feel like the only way to offer humanity is with tears. See Arrow. Arrow started out in that season one. I mean, he's killing people. He's doing all this stuff. It was kind of a dark show. And now to kind of balance that out and bring the humanity and show these people like each other, there's just a lot of crying and a lot of whining. You know, they fight every now and again. Um, 
and, and quite frankly, as much as I've enjoyed this season of Arrow, it's gotten a little bit redundant and, 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 and kind of boring because of it. Um, this last episode from this week of Arrow, again, no spoilers, but with what happens, number one, I'm calling that what happened is a fake what happened. <laughs> and, uh, and number two, I'll just say that it's just been weeks of of angst and and say, I mean like just Smallville level angst just ramped up and it's just getting a little tedious with that you know let's just see uh, that's what I like so much about the Flash it's like is there some angst there sure but is there just a lot of kicking bad guys in the face yes there is um, so with Daredevil what they do to balance out the dark grittiness of the storyline and in this case. When you bring in the Punisher, and they did the Punisher in such a way that I'm like, I didn't know if I liked the guy. I didn't know if I didn't like the guy. I just knew that I was compelled by this character. And sometimes that's really what you need. You don't. The Punisher is a great character to play those shades of gray, to offer up those moral ambiguities to really get your teeth into something. And they do such a great job with Frank Castle of at once making you really sympathize with him and at another time saying, I can't go down this road with this guy. And I think that's okay because even Daredevil has that problem. And then at the end, you know, there's that moment, there's a rooftop and there's a fight and Daredevil can't win. And all of a sudden there's a shot and Daredevil just turns around. And he's like, thanks, you know, kind of thing. I... I thought it was great because what happens then when they're not fighting crime for a big chunk of the season is you get to see these characters hanging out, laughing together, smiling together, living life. And and that's the, that's the cool thing that a series affords the opportunity to be done, especially one when it's in its second season and we know these characters. And even though they introduced two new characters in Frank Castle and Elektra, uh, I thought they really did well. The characterization of Elektra took me a minute to get into, but once I kind of bought into what they were doing with her, I really liked it. I'm still not sure I understand the plot fully. I, I don't. I still don't understand the digging of the big hole. Um, I'm, I need to go back and watch, <laughs> but I liked it. I liked what they did. Stick was great in this season. Um, Frank Castle, fantastic. Electra, wonderful. Daredevil, great. And there is a scene where, or there's a moment where um, the old kingpin comes into play. And, and it was just, uh, it's just one of those chill-inducing moments because the way it's shot, the way it's done, very tropish, but it worked so well. Really enjoyed the Daredevil. Um, season two, really, really, really dug it and uh i can't i can't suggest it enough uh if you've got the netflix to check it out snip it all right um before i get into batman v superman let's talk about marvel versus dc growing up i was a marvel kid uh there was no competition amongst my friends between marvel and dc because no one else was into comic books um but here's the thing about marvel versus dc as much as these guys are in competition. The competition has always been kind of a joke between these two companies. Um, Marvel would refer to DC as our distinct competition. 
uh, sometimes DC would say stuff in their letters or newspapers, you know, our marvelous competition, that kind of thing. Um, but there were so many people who bounced back and forth over the years and worked for both companies, you know, under different editors and that sort of thing. And, and they had different experiences at different times with different people they were working under. But as far as the love of superheroes across the board, everyone who worked in this medium, you know, came away with some type of love for these characters or had a love for this character, these characters going in today. There's this weird thing that's happened amongst fandom online. And, and excuse me while I, while I pull my soapbox over and step up on it. There's this weird thing that's happened online where if you don't choose a side or if you, or if you happen to praise something a little bit more than you like something else, Oh, well, you're just a Marvel seller. You're just a DC guy. And that's the only reason you like this. And it becomes this thing of like, we have to draw a line in the sand and, and and be against one another and argue the benefits and the and the and the not so benefits. I don't know where my words went just then, but just argue the points of these things in a, in a in an argumentative way, like it matters. Like people will debate this Marvel DC stuff like it is like it's U.S. policy or something, and it's ridiculous. Because at the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun. It's fun to have a little bit of competition in the fandom, and it's only going to be natural to compare movie and television properties as these things are released. What's really fun is to think about this. Batman v Superman was originally slated to come out the same day as Captain America Civil War. And it was this fun kind of thing to watch and see who would blink, to see who would move their release date. And quite frankly, because Disney and Marvel had a bigger footprint in the superhero movie market at at that time, it had to be Warner Brothers that blinked. It had to be. But it was fun to watch and see what happens. And then, you know, if you're kind of a Marvel kid, you can be like, huh, I made you blink, you know, kind of, you flinched. And, And it's fun. There's no malice there. Look, I don't have a dog in any of these fights. I don't make a dime off of any of this stuff. And none of us do. But we'll argue about this stuff like we, like... Like, we have money riding on it or something, you know? Like, it's our livelihood. It's one thing to be passionate. It's another thing to just not have fun because you let your your passion turn into a point of anger, and and that's not cool. So here's, here's the thing. I, I think that if we can have fun with a Marvel versus DC thing, then we'll, then these things will end up being more funny than hurtful. For example, um, Batman v Superman comes out, like a week, maybe two weeks after Daredevil season, I think it was just a week after Daredevil season two premiered on Netflix. And it's almost like Marvel was saying, here, you want to see superheroes fighting? Here's 13 episodes. (laughs) Um, And and there you go, DC. And there was like, it, it was just like Marvel would not give them a moment to breathe. They, they just won't let up that anytime the DC studios do something, Marvel's like, Oh, well, look what we got. And and it's kind of bullying because, like I say, I think their footprint's a little bit larger. And that's why I wish DC would swing the Flash stick a little bit harder or their television property stick a little bit harder. I mean, you got all that CSI money over there with Supergirl. And you got Flash just kicking on all cylinders. And that Supergirl-Flash crossover was beautiful. I mean, it was so sweet. I got a cavity watching it. 
but it was just so much fun and so beautiful. And I really hope they have a mini crisis that combines those worlds because I don't like Supergirl being on a different universe than Flash. I want them to be able to get together just whenever they want to. And I just feel like that as you're watching these things, um, we got to keep in perspective that it's just fun because I'll tell you this, if you're going to, if you, if you turn to the TV properties, um, DC wins the day. I'm sorry. You know, I, and that's not counting the Netflix stuff, I guess, because I'm looking at Marvel's agents of shield. I'm two episodes behind and I have no desire to catch up and that's okay. Guys, it's okay. If you don't like something, the only, the weakest thing DC's got going on TV right now is Gotham, and it's got such mixed reaction. There are people who absolutely swear by Gotham, and that's fine. Good for you guys. Gotham is a show that has progressively, as they figured out more and more what they want it to be, it's gotten a little bit better along and along and along. Gotham, and that's and that's what you want out of a television show. You want it to progressively get better. For me, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's been so many ups and downs. So that's what I'm saying. If I'm DC... I start getting on the social medias. I start having people out there like your Jeff Johns, you know, Joe Casada, the Marvel Twitter, all this stuff. They really pump this stuff up. If I'm DC, I get out there and I pump it up and have a good time doing it too and just start really swinging it around and just having a fun time with it. The problem is all of us geeks, we get so backed into a corner thinking, oh, well, they don't like what I like. I got to swing at them. Why? It's okay. It's fine. It's good. We're all good. I just think it can be more fun. And I think that just because I've enjoyed what Marvel Studios has done more than what I've enjoyed uh, from what we've seen from Warner Brothers and DC so far, it's not a big deal. It's just, it is what it is, you know? If people are enjoying it, great. It broke money records. These these <laughs> these people aren't going anywhere. Um, we're going to get to see more Ben Affleck as Batman. I think that's a good thing. I'm looking forward to the Wonder Woman movie. I really like Gal Gadot as as wonder woman um i'm looking forward to a justice league movie uh I, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second here but before i get into my batman v superman thoughts i just wanted to put out there that a it's always okay to have different opinions b if we're going to have some competition let it be fun competition because at the end of the day it doesn't matter this stuff just doesn't matter it's entertainment and though we can get inspired by it, and though it can mean something special to us, you know, I'm sitting. This is me sitting in a room full of Star Wars collectibles, and um, and because Star Wars means something to me, and it has special meaning here and there with different things, that's cool. That's great. But I can't be so precious about Star Wars that I get angry when people don't like it. Um, it's, it's the craziest thing that we've created a culture where someone looks at me and says, I've never seen Star Wars, and they wince, expecting me to be like, what are you talking about? How do you live your life? Or if someone says, I don't really like Star Wars, and they wince, okay, that's fine. You're missing out. You know, It's like someone told me one time they saw a movie, and I'm ashamed for this person to say this, but this man looked at me and said, have you seen The Hunger Games? And this was after the first, I'm like, no, I hadn't. He's like, I think that's the best movie I ever saw. And I looked at him and said, did you never see Star Wars? He's like, yeah. I said, well, then that's the best movie you ever saw. <laughs> because at the end of the day, it's just fun. It's okay, you know? It's fine, guys. It's fine. So we get into another quick snippet here. Snippet! 
Um, Batman v Superman. I've seen this movie once. I should probably give it another viewing to give it a fair shake. It's just one of those things where I don't know that I can bring myself to do it. The one thing that the, my first initial takeaway as I got up to leave the movie theater was, man, that was long. Um, it felt every bit of the two and a half hours that it was and to me. And, and I don't think that's a good thing because when you go back and you look at some of the longer Marvel movies, to me, they never felt as long as they were. And, and I feel like that if you come out and say, man, that was a long movie, then there might've been something there that caused it to feel long. Now I want to stop and I want to say, I have a theory about a lot of people who are just putting this thing over because a lot of people are coming out because of the initial reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. A lot of people are coming out swinging with their love of it. I want to take you back to Ang Lee's Hulk. Ang Lee's Hulk, for me as an incredible Hulk fan, lifelong incredible Hulk fan, Hulk and Superman have always gone back and forth in my book as my favorite superheroes, the, the number one slot of favorite superheroes. And for me as a lifelong incredible Hulk fan, there were things in that movie that I saw that I really thought was a, were bold choices, were smart choices, that were neat things that Ang Lee took from the Incredible Hulk mythos and included in this movie. And this movie became a, a cerebral movie. Um, I remember watching that movie, and the first time he turned into the Hulk, I, I wasn't as excited as I, I knew I should have been. Um, all the good stuff with the Hulk we saw in the trailer. When I left that theater that day, I had some people with me. And they're like, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And I started to defend it. I started to try to explain to everyone, well, this is what you have to understand about the Hulk. This is what you need to get about the Hulk. This is great stuff about the Hulk. And for several years, I really defended that movie. And I defended it because I loved the Hulk. And I wanted other people along with me to love the Hulk. Then Incredible Hulk happened. <laughs> and the greatest thing about Incredible Hulk to me was not only was it a good movie that was a fun movie that had everything you wanted from a Hulk movie, but also that I didn't have to defend Ang Lee's Hulk anymore. I could be like, oh, it was just a relief. I'm like, oh, thank God. Um, with Batman v Superman, I wonder if, and I'm not accusing anyone of this, but I wonder if there's a little bit of that, where there's such a love for these characters and such a desire to see finally the Justice League come to fruition that people are just maybe jumping on the defense because of their love. And if that's the case, good on you. you defend what you love. I think that's great. Um, but it's okay if people don't like it. And I think that's where we've got to get to. I think that's where we've got to come to is it's okay if people don't like it. I don't know that I like this movie. I don't know that... Um, that this movie is something that I, I, I necessarily, I feel like I should revisit it, but I shouldn't feel like I should, you know, I shouldn't feel like, Oh, I got to see this again to really get it. Because if you can't sell me on Batman and Superman on screen together, I feel like there's something wrong with that movie because I'm an easy sell. I'm not hard to please when it comes to superhero movies. I'm not, but this this fell flat in some ways to me. And I think that one of the main reasons it fell flat is because there is such an attempt to be different. There's such an attempt to, I heard someone say, you know, 
this is what would be if Superman and Batman were in the real world. Well, if that's the case, then Superman needs to be based in New York and Batman needs to be based in some other real-life metropolitan area of modern-day, real-life world places. The minute you say the name Metropolis and Gotham City, you're not in the real world, you know? And 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 I just feel like that when we start say, trying to put these people in real-world situations that for whatever reason, we go to the darkest place. We go to the most depressing place. This whole movie spent a lot of effort to let us know that there were a lot of people who didn't like Superman and who were against Superman. You know, and that, and outside of Lex Luthor, just a lot of people who weren't, who, including Batman, you know, who just did not like Superman and didn't like the idea of him being here. Yes, we saw him save a little girl at the Day of the Dead. We saw him go to the, the place where the flooding was happening and help those people. We saw him saw, save Lois Lane, which I thought was a great bit there in the desert. But they kill off Jimmy Olsen. Within the first 20 minutes of this film, spoiler alert, by the way, they ki- we're going to spoil this movie from here on out. They kill off Jimmy Olsen. Just to, and, and Zack Snyder said, just because I thought it'd be fun to do that. No, Zack Snyder, it's not. And, and that shows me that the writers don't get the person or the purpose of a Jimmy Olsen in, in the comics, you know, or in, or in the mythos of Superman. Um, Jimmy Olsen became Superman's pal, and that means something, you know. And, and in the comics, it was used as, a, as kind of just a, someone for him to save every now and again for a while. But then there was a real friendship between he and Clark, and that's something that Clark needs, a real friend's. And unfortunately, Jimmy Olsen gets killed in in the first few, you know, first 20 minutes of this movie. Um, The editing of this movie was all over the place. And that's not, and again, I'm not a filmmaker. And if I start noticing things about the process of the filmmaking, then something is off. Um, It just felt real jumpy. It was, for me, it was kind of hard to follow exactly what was going on. I'm still not sure what Lex's overall scheme was. I'm still, he wanted to destroy Superman. Um, Okay. If that's what it was, that's what it was. And that's fine. I'm all, I'm all for that, but just kind of strange, you know, Um, I didn't like Eisenberg's take on Luther. Uh, it, It was too, too much silly, not enough sinister. And those moments where he did get serious, those moments where he did get a little sinister, it was great. But the silliness was a little bit too much here and there. And at the end, when he's in the jail cell and he's doing the, you can hear him coming, ding, 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 ding. People were laughing in the theater I was in. I'm like, this isn't supposed to be funny. Unfortunately, I don't think this is supposed to be played for laughs. We're supposed to be disturbed by how mentally deranged this guy is, but people were laughing at him. And that's unfortunate because what's coming is someone who hates life and is looking for the anti-life equation. Uh, that's that's who's coming. And the ding, ding, ding is supposed to represent, I believe, mother box pinging. So that's my take on that. Um, the, the, the cameos we got were shoehorned in. I said that earlier in an email. When, when Wonder Woman is looking over the stuff that Batman sends her, it's just like, we're going to click on every video now and watch. Okay. 
I think it would have been enough to just see those symbols on the screen. I think it would have been enough to see the Flash symbol, the Aquaman symbol, the Cyborg symbol. That would have been that would have been plenty, uh, you know. And then her just look at whatever they had on file for her. I thought it was really cool to see that picture of her. Chris Pine was in the picture. Noticed that immediately. You know, that's going to play into the Wonder Woman movie that's coming, that is set during World War One. I. I think that's really cool. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that movie. I don't understand Doomsday. I don't understand the the look of doomsday i like that he started to look more like the doomsday we know and love and fear i don't understand why we had to go through that evolution process um and i know listen i know how doomsday works i know that he is a a product of evolution and a product of all that stuff i get that i understand i'm just saying that for all intents and purposes um i I don't, I don't understand why we didn't just go straight bony doomsday. <laughs> That's a nitpick, and it doesn't matter because the more we saw doomsday, the more, you know, the, the more doomsday I recognized as doomsday. I, I dug. I really liked. Um, I just the the structure of the movie was was weird to me at, at the end of the day, and I wanted to love this movie. I wanted to love seeing. Batman and Superman on screen. I, I wanted to love seeing Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman on screen. There was a lot shown in the trailer. The trailer didn't hold much back at all. The only thing the trailer held back was the fact that, told you, spoiler alert, Superman dies. That's the only thing those trailers held back. Everything else, you could have pieced together the structure of this movie from that. And... And that's marketing. Look, the movie made money. Obviously, they marketed it well. But I wonder if maybe the Wonder Woman reveal should have been held back. You know, if we should have been a little bit more blown away by seeing Wonder Woman show up. Um, I feel like they did that to sell it. I feel like they were trying to get ahead of criticism by showing that and getting people excited. I get it. That's fine. Uh just a lot about the structure I didn't dig. I just, and I think that's kind of the biggest thing that it comes down to for me. The casting of this movie, fantastic. I said, along with a, a very small handful of others, um, that I loved the casting of Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Batman. I thought it was great. I wasn't thrilled about taking him to an older Batman just to be more like the Dark Knight. Uh, returns Batman. That's a choice that they made. Whatever. Okay, good for you guys. I don't think it was needed, but fine. But this is a Batman with history. Great. I liked it. I don't know that we need to see the origin again, except for to drive home the point that his mother's name was Martha. Uh, so that when that moment happens, it could happen. A lot of people making fun of the Martha thing online your mom's name's martha my mom's name's martha let's be friends i i know why people are making fun of that i but i don't like that people are making fun of that because to me when you've got a man who is driven by this fact my parents were killed when i was a boy that's batman's driving force for justice that's what he does when he's got someone down who should have no idea who his parents are saying the name of his mother it's going to give him pause. 
It's going to make him angry. It's going to make him wonder, why are you saying that name? And when he says, my mother is being held hostage and I've got, you know, I want to save her. The man who is driven by the fact that his parents were killed by bad guys when he was a boy is going to now join in the fight so that no one else has to lose a parent. Makes perfect sense to me. Had no problem with that. I thought about, I thought that was just, I thought it was cool. It's a very simple thing, but very powerful at the same moment. They really beat us over the head with the fact that his mom's name was Martha, though. So, you know, take that and do with it as you will. Um, Batman uses guns in this. Okay, you know, uh, the the whole thing is that, that speech that Alfred gives that was in the um, trailers about, you know, stuff can turn a good man cruel. I like that he wasn't saying that in reference to anything about Superman, but he was saying it about Bruce himself, that Bruce was becoming a cruel man because of his experience and because of what he was doing. And I really, really like that. And so as we see him branding people, we see him wielding guns, but we've seen that in other Batman movies. You know, we've seen the the machine guns on the Batmobile back in Tim Burton's Batman. Um, we've seen... Uh, he even had some... Didn't he have some little guns on, on this Bat Pod in the Dark Knight? I feel like he did. Because uh, he was blowing out windows and doors and stuff. We've seen him use the projectile weapons before on screen. And I think that's because no one can separate themselves from violence without guns too much except for us comic book nerds i really think that's what it comes down to those of us who know and love the character batman i think we'll see less of that in what we see batman in the future doing um also the the guns that he did use were to launch kryptonite bombs at superman and later doomsday more than anything else um I I really do it really does bother me that we only saw the people who Superman saved like Superman. Um we got to see some super feats which was cool. I'm glad we got to see him doing some stuff. But once we got to the Capitol when we see them on the streets of Metropolis, the whole false god thing that legless man spray paints on there his statue is basically around a memorial. You know, his, this great statue honoring him is at a memorial for everyone who lost their life. Um, it, you know, it's just, it's like, we're really driving home the fact that people don't like Superman and then he dies and it's like, Oh, everybody loves Superman. No, they don't. You know, I guess it's that thing when people die, we're just going to talk about how great they are. Um, So that was what was off-putting to me. Now, I thought that the fight with Batman and Superman was great. I love the moment, and I wish it, and it's another thing I wish hadn't been in any trailer. When Batman is skidding around the corner and Superman's standing there and he grazes off of and it just wrecks the Batmobile. Love that moment. I love the line of, tell me, do you bleed? You will. I don't think it's cheesy at all. I think it's great. I think it's Batman saying, you know, being Batman. Um, I love the training montage that Bruce goes through. I liked watching him steal and work with that kryptonite to to develop something to take down Superman. I liked their fight. Uh, I was worried in my theater they're doing the they do the digital projection, but they need some new bulbs or to clean their lenses. A lot of times 
the the picture seems dim. But I could see everything. I never felt like the the fight, even though it took place at night, was too dark. I didn't. I feel like they captured the action well. Um, I, I like that Superman was like, you know, stop. I can, you know, I, his motivation for going to kill Batman or fight Batman was because Lex had his mom. I don't know that I like Lex knowing the secret, but okay, you know, um, we we kind of live in a day and age where people are tired of secret identities. I guess I don't know, um, but. I, I thought their fight was was well done. Of course, I like the Batman stuff when he goes to save Martha. Uh, he, you know, it does look like the Arkham City games, and and it was a great fight scene to me. And then going in to save Martha, and uh, and then teaming back up with Superman uh, to fight Doomsday. The the scene with the nuke right out of Dark Knight Rises, you know, where Superman's basically messed up and I like the sun healing him. I love that imagery. I love that moment. Uh, I had a friend who went and saw it for the first time today with his little boy and he asked why Superman couldn't just throw the spear. Uh, I think it was a situation where he had to run him through and because it's kryptonite, he didn't maybe not be able to throw it as hard as he needed to. Or what happens if Doomsday just catches it and throws it to the side and continues his rampage? Um, You know, Superman had to get there to him. And I get that, and I understand it. Plus, you know, it, it opens up the door for Superman to basically die. Wonder Woman was fantastic. Wonder Woman was great. I'm glad we got to see the lasso in action. I loved it when uh, he hit her, and she's down, and she just looks up and smiles. I thought that was great. It, you know, she's just a warrior woman who's going after it. I thought she, I thought her costume looked great. I thought she looked great. Um Again, Batfleck was good stuff. I like Ben Affleck as Batman. I like that he's using a voice modulator, not um, not doing a gravelly voice. And I like that we got to see Alfred kind of testing it, trying to fix something that was wrong with it. They had a little bit of good banter. It wasn't as jokey or witty as I'd like it to be, but I really did enjoy what they did. I liked Alfred's role in this, where he's not just a butler, but he's kind of like the he's the backup man, you know, he's the guy in the cave. Uh, he's the Felicity, you know, doing his thing, watching everything on the computers. Um, the dream sequence is cool because you see those parademons and that's really neat. I like the look of the nightmare Batman, you know, in the trench coat and everything. But guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like the look. I thought the guy that was coming, I thought, here's what I thought. When the Flash kind of sticks his head out through whatever he sticks his head out through, I thought it was Cyborg because the costume looks so weird. I'm like, oh, that's Cyborg. And the reason he's able to communicate with Batman from however, wherever he's communicating with is because Batman is plugged into, not physically plugged into, but he's got those files running. And this is literally Cyborg trying to come through all that to let him know what's going on. I didn't realize it was supposed to be a vision of the flash from the future coming back to say, look, this is Lois is the key. And I don't know what all that means. Um, but, uh, but it is what it is. I, you know, look, I've come to love Grant Gustin and the flash TV show so much that, you know, the the flash is going to be a hard sell on the big screen for me. If they're, if they're doing a weird wonky costume and, I don't know. I mean, like, I just don't understand some of their decisions. Um, you know, but say all that to say this. I liked it better than I like Man of Steel. Um, 
I like, I felt like there wasn't much happen until that scene on the roof with Lex and then everything goes down. You know, I, I really was kind of bored up until that last fight scene. The fight scenes didn't go too long. I like that, you know, they made a point of saying it's on this abandoned island. Good for them. You know, <laughs> head off that whole destruction thing. The opening sequence with Bruce Wayne driving through the streets of Metropolis as, as that, uh, as the ship was bearing down on them fantastic i love that scene i, I love the whole thing that went on it was great to see bruce wayne driving that car the way he was and just because he should be able to he should be able to um he should be able to to drive through the streets while people are panicking and make his way around the different barricades and everything uh again i go back it was a shot in the trailer where as everyone's running away from the falling building he's running to it um Lex was obviously manipulating, manipulating, manipulating things from the get-go. Again, it's just not sinister enough for me. I, I need a more sinister Lex. I do like they went with genius scientist Lex. I think that's really cool. Uh, you know, we hadn't had mad scientist Lex since the old uh, Superman serials way, way back in the day. And so it's really cool to have mad scientist Luther and and to see him do the mad scientisty things. Um I just hope for a power suit down the road. And I hope that maybe in future performances, Eisenberg can, can dial back the, the craziness, the, the Riddler slash Jokerness of it all that he can, that he can dial that back and be a little bit more what he was in those, in those sinister moments. Hated to see mercy get blown up. I was really, I thought it was really cool that, that Mercy was his uh, his his assistant and 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 doing all she did. Hated to see her get blown up. And here's and I will say this for the sinister, for for Lex Luthor. The more I've thought about it, and this is why I think I should go see it again because the more I've thought about Lex's role, I realize just how sinister he is. The P in a jar, and and calling it Grandma's sweet, you know, peach tea or whatever that was the line from her. And when she looks down and sees that, it just kind of stops everything for her. I thought she'd take a sip of something and it was poison. And she was about, and she was about to die. Um, I did not see the explosion coming until he looks over at the wheelchair. I'm like, Oh, he's about to blow that place up. And, and to watch Superman stand there in the midst of it all, just with a look of just total dejection, like, Oh my gosh. What now? You know, what are people going to say now? Um, yeah, it was, you know, so the, there's a lot that Lex did that was just cold-hearted and stuff um, going on there that uh, that I guess as I look back on, yeah, it was very sinister, but it was lost in the performance of Eisenberg, I think. Um, I'm cool with Doomsday coming in. I'm cool with them having to, to team up to fight Doomsday. I guess I'm cool with Superman dying. I just feel like that it should have had more of an impact on me. And I, and I think at the end of the day, um, that's, that's my biggest takeaway from this movie is I should have been in tears when Superman died. Uh, I should have been in tears when Superman and Batman show up on screen together. These are things that should have had me, just over the moon and they didn't and i'm questioning is it because i've lost a part of me but then i go back and i watch these old justice league 
cartoons that I've not watched in years. And I watched the animated series and I, and I watched that first ever Batman Superman world's finest team up. And I'm like, this is what I love. I love these two feeling each other out, trying to figure each other out. They don't like each other, you know, and they have to work together. That's, and I'm like in this, and it works so well. And I'm like, just do a live action adaptation of this for crying out loud, because it was so good. And so I think that's kind of it. And, and, and I don't know if it comes down to them trying to be so different or so, uh, quote unquote real with everything or, or what, but for whatever reason, it's not resonating with me the way it seems to be resonating with a lot of other fans. And, and I, I don't like that. I wish it did. I really do wish it did. I wish I liked it a lot more than I do. Um, but to say that, I will say this, that my butt's going to be in the seat for everything else they put out. If it, this is not Catwoman quality. This is not 1990s Punisher quality. This is not even 1992 Captain America quality. This is not something that I have to really, you know, just say, oh, well, I guess this is all I'm going to get. This is this is something I'm like, I'll go back for more. I might not go back for repeat viewing after repeat viewing after repeat viewing, but I'll go back for more, you know? Um, I'm a sucker. I'll keep coming back. And when they get that Justice League movie going, I'll be there for that. That's going to be good times. I'll be there for Wonder Woman. I'll even be there for Suicide Squad. I'll be there, you know, if I can. But I'm, you know, I, I just, I wish that I was excited, as excited about the prospect of this as I am about Captain America Civil War, a concept that I don't even like. I wish I was excited about the prospect of the future DC movies as I was, as I am about a Doctor Strange movie, you know, or an Ant-Man 2 or uh, Infinity War, you know. Uh, so if it's your bag, if it's your cup of tea, great. But, um, but that, that's wonderful. Um, Dave Atterbury makes a question, makes a point in the chat and I'm going to, to respond to it. He says, I hate to say it, but Marvel is more YA and DC is more adult sen in sensibilities in the cinematic realm. I, I think, uh, okay. <laughs> sure. I guess. I don't know. I, because I think when you watch that first Iron Man, I mean, you're dealing with basically war and weapons dealings. Um, when you get into Avengers, it's a little bit more out there and, you know, alien invasion and stuff. I think the thing is, is, is that the Marvel movies are a little bit more kid friendly, but I think they play to all audiences. And I don't think all audiences means necessarily YA. I think that it just means it plays to all audiences. The DC stuff, it it makes me sad that um, that it that it's not that the themes aren't playing as well with kids, because I fell in love with Superman as a child. I fell in love with with Superman as a little boy, and I want other little boys to be able to experience that. And this is a movie. My friends took their kid to see it today, and and that was fine. I was worried he wouldn't like it, and he dug it. Because he dug watching Superman fly, and he he dug watching them fight, and um, you know, and and he told me I talked to him on the phone, and he's like, I'm like, so how'd you feel about it? He's like, well, I was really sad when Superman died, but then I saw the rocks on the 
on the grave float, so I know he's alive. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, good. As long as you caught that, buddy, that's what matters. But, man, I wish. I don't know that kids with Man of Steel or even with this have that moment of the helicopter crashing on the building of the Daily Planet and Lois Lane falling out and Clark Kent running across the street and ripping that shirt open and stepping out of that revolving door and just taking off and saving Lois as she falls and uh, and catching that helicopter and the who's got, you know, you've got me, who got you, who, who got you, who's got you. Um, I just, I don't know that kids have that, and, and that makes me sad because I want, <clears throat> what has hooked us all, what has hooked us all um, into these things is the fact that I feel like if we got people on the line, and I don't know if we'll have time to do it, it doesn't look like we're going to have time to do it this episode, but if we were able to get people on the line, and we should do this on a future goal, get people on the line and talk about what got you into this stuff, how old were you, what was your entry point? And I would think that 80% of us would say when I was a kid. It would all start with when I was a kid. I watched Superman the movie. I watched the Super Friends. I watched Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I watched the Spider-Man animated series on Fox. I watched the X-Men animated series on Fox. I watched, uh, you know, this thing or that thing. Or I read, I picked up a comic book for the first time. And it was accessible to us as children. There's nothing wrong with that. And and for some reason, you know, the 40-year-old the, the set, like myself, have kind of balked at kids having accessibility to this stuff when, man, I want kids to have it because that's what's going to keep it going. That's what's going to keep things happening. That's what's going to keep us getting more and more stuff like this. And and it doesn't necessarily have to be dumbed down. I don't think the themes of Captain America Civil War are YA. I don't think that the theme of you've caused all this destruction, we have, it's the same theme as, listen, Captain America Civil War is the theme of Batman v, it's the same themes that are going to, that we saw in Batman v Superman with Holly Hunter's character saying, must there be a Superman? You know, where we need to have some control over what goes on. So, um, I know I'm going to get emails saying, I hate, I'm sorry that you hated this. I know you hated it. And I don't, it's just, I wanted to love it so much. And when I didn't come out loving it as much as I wanted to, it's just disappointing. It, it's just disappointing. So that's my, that's my take on Batman v Superman. If I change my mind or if my thoughts shift, you know, you'll hear it here. Uh, it's just one of those things that it's just, it's what I do guys. It's what I do. Um, I guess we need to close out with this. If nothing else. State your name for the record. Jen Urso. Forgery of imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. Resisting arrest. On your own from the age of 15. Reckless, aggressive, and undisciplined. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. 
We have a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know what it is and how to destroy it. Is that clear? Yes, sir. That's the Rogue One teaser trailer that was released this morning on Good Morning America uh, at the time of recording. And man, the internet has been a buzz about it. I, I, Eris <laughs> told me I hate Star Wars, guys. When I texted him, when he asked me what I thought, and I told him what I thought, he told me I hate Star Wars. <laughs> but I don't hate Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I think all of these Star Wars story movies, these anthology films, are going to take me a minute to warm up to, um, because I'm I'm emotionally torn. Again, it comes down to camera shot. These are all going to be filmed differently. These are not going to have to adhere to some of the same rules as the enumerated films are. I'm all for that. I, I think it's great. I love being in Yavin base uh, uh the, the imagery of uh an x-wing and silhouette back underneath that hangar bay the little transport thing that you know we, we see in in the original uh star wars being in that war room uh in mon mothma being everyone's losing their head over mon mothma but i'm like where's general dodonna he's the one that orchestrated this whole you know orchestrated the whole thing against the death star um I'm sure he'll be in there. That's great. You know, it we we see our main character taking on some uh taking on some stormtroopers in the street, very reminiscent of Rebels, uh season 1 where you're just kind of in a in a rundown area and you're taking out some stormtroopers. So cool to see original trilogy stormtroopers uh on the screen. There's that shot of that star destroyer in front of the Death Star as they're um Loading in the big dish uh, to, you know, the firing mechanism, if you will. And just some great imagery that, it, oh, there's just an old school X-Wing back there. There's there's scenes from the what appears to be like the bridge of the Death Star. There's a, there's a dude standing there. He's some kind of admiral in a cape. And uh, he's he's there where you can see the, the where they watch the targeting and all for the Death Star. Um, Forrest Whitaker, there's this weird stormtrooper with the kind of shinier armor, the silver armor. Yeah, okay. Where were they throughout the rest of the original trilogy? Um, a lot of running around, a little fighting here and there. Some blowy up stuff. And there's a there's a figure that's kneeling down in front of a in front of a bright tube-looking thing that looks kind of like a lit-up back-to-tank from Empire, but there's a royal guard on either side of it. 
And I guess his figure's kneeling down. I think people are assuming that's Vader, but the the top of that person's head looks more like a robe is lifted up over their head and, you know, a hood of a robe, not doesn't look like Vader. I, there's rumors that Vader's going to be in this thing, and I'm all for that. I love seeing AT-ATs, guys. Who doesn't love an AT-AT? AT-ATs are probably my favorite uh, vehicle in the original trilogy next to the Imperial Shuttle. I always love the Imperial Shuttle. The, the place where she's standing at the end and the things light up, I mean, who doesn't think of the underbelly of Bespin when you see that? You know, it's a little bit different, but it's just kind of that same idea and the same concept. And she's got an Imperial insignia on. Is she in a TIE fighter outfit? Holy cow! She, that's a TIE fighter uniform, TIE fighter pilot outfit, it looks like. Because it's got like a shiny chest plate and everything to it. That may be a TIE fighter pilot suit. Gee whiz, that's amazing. Okay, I'm on board. Here's what I said this morning when I first watched it. I said, um, I, I said that this reminds me of, it feels like a, a fan film in a video game mashed together with some deleted scenes from episode four. And that's when Ares told me I hate Star Wars. And I'm just, you know, I'm just being honest. That's just kind of what it looks like. But all the Star Wars movies from this point forward are going to be fan films in, in a way, I guess. Um, I have to tell you this. Um, Daniel and Indy texted me about it, and, and I told him that. And he said, uh, I'm concerned about a story we only needed two sentences to understand for almost 40 years. <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, the dude in white is obviously a, a, a big player. Um, you know, Admiral Ularen wore white, but that doesn't, he doesn't have the mustache of an Admiral Ularen. He doesn't have the blue skin of a Grand Admiral Thrawn. So I don't know, but he's, he looks to be of that status, Admiral, Grand Admiral kind of thing. Um, there was another image where you literally saw one of those old control pods over to the side that the Death Squad commander, the Death Star commander, sat in. You know, what we all what the old figures called the Death the Death Star commander, or yeah, which is basically Imperial Troopers with the black buckets on their head. Um, and I can't seem to find the timestamp for that. Uh, when they're running, there's there's this tall kind of droid that's in the background behind her as she takes out our main character. She takes out some stormtroopers, and then you see him again running with them. You don't really see much of the droid himself, but he's there. There's some kind of samurai that's whacking some stormtroopers on the face. Forrest Whitaker is is waxing eloquent about um, about what do you become? You know, if you keep fighting, what do you become? Man, those those AT-ATs. So excited. They're, they seem to be guarding some kind of dish that may be a shield generator a la Return of the Jedi, you know, on the ground, uh, having a shield projected from the from the ground up to uh up to the Death Star itself. So I don't know. Um I really look. Don't think my butt won't be in a seat for this. I'll be there. I'll be there opening day for this because it's Star Wars. Um, 
it's just again it's just one of those things i've got to get used to the new visual language i gotta use but now that i'm talking about this thing guys if i can just be honest with you I, just looking at it not listening to the not listening to the sound but just watching the images oh man the old rebel troopers are there This is, I'm on board. Um, <laughs> I like it. I'm there. I'll take it. That's okay. I love Star Wars. That's our snippet. Oh, man. Star Wars, you sucked me in again. And I will be buying your toys. And I will be, um... <laughs> I will be making dioramas with all your stuff. Listen, the lady they have playing Mon Mothma, she looks like her. She has she's she's got her cadence down. She's got her voice. I do look. We've got to see Dodonna, and we got to have it explained um, why why Mon Mothma wasn't in Episode Four. You know, um, it's it's going to be good stuff. Uh, so. I think it's going to be cool. Is that the same lady that played her in episode three? I'm I'm seeing here in uh, two people in the chat, Dylan and Daniel, saying that she's the lady that played Mon Mothman episode. Th oh my gosh, guys, that's amazing! That's awesome. Well done, Lucasfilm. Well done. I'm so glad that we have the chat, and I have immediate feedback. Used to. Before all this stuff, yes, IMDb, sorry. Um, used to before we do, you know, before we had the mixer and everything, and I would, <laughs> I would do this stuff. It would be like um, I would say something and then I'd get an email. And so it'd be a week or two later before it's like, well, I have this correction to make everybody. Fantastic. Gee whiz. Fan she got her, guys, she, she got her Mon Mothma on. She got cut out of Revenge of the Sith, but she's like, I am back. That's awesome. Uh, our, our main character seems to be in trouble a lot. I hope some of these shots aren't quite finished. Um, that Star Destroyer looks kind of weird to me. Maybe it's just because I haven't been used to seeing a Episode Four Star Destroyer in so long. I can't, I can't stop looking at it all of a sudden, guys. I'm going to watch this stuff. Over and over and over again. And I'll end up loving it. So, thank you, Geek Out Loud. Dear Geek Out Loud, long-time talker, first-time emailer. My name's Steve, by the way. I host the show. But I want to thank you for your positivity and your fair outlook on things. Because it caused me to like something that I didn't think I originally liked. So thank you for that. Your friend, Stephen. Stephen. Kind of cool at the end of that trailer too, the music uh, played the Force theme along with the underpinnings of the Imperial March. Oh, guys, I'd hope to take some calls, but we've been going, or I've been going for almost two hours now, so I apologize for not, uh, 
not shutting up and taking your calls. Why don't we say this? The next OG Geek Out Loud we do, we'll take your calls and we'll talk about all these things. The Batman v Superman, the Daredevil, the Rogue One, the TFA, whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about. Don't forget audibletrial.com slash geekout for your free uh, download of an audiobook and a free two-week trial of Audible. Dot com. That's how I do all of my reading for the Goldiverse Reads Book Club, which we've got an episode coming later this month. Our next episode of Goals is going to feature our good friend at Darth underscore Duff, Eric Schernevice, co-host of Mile High Tundra, as we do some passing of the corn. You can follow Geek Out Loud on Twitter, at Geek Out Loud. I'm at Steve Glauston. Of course, the entire Goldiverse can be found at Goldiverse. We're at Facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud. And, of course, the email where you can email in to us is geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. We're also brought to you by Amazon. Head over to geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com to do your shopping at Amazon. Click on those links. Every little bit helps us out in a big, bad way. Man, I love doing this show. Can you believe that I was thinking about when I was, I'd, I'd done some work trying to get some stuff posted and get caught up on some stuff? Can you believe I thought, well, maybe I'll just put off recording it yet again? I'm so glad I didn't. I love doing this show. I love you guys for listening. Uh, you, you really do mean the world to me that you'd actually sit here and listen to me ramble on for as long as I have. I wish you all a great whatever you're having. And until next time, I'm Steve. And we'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud.